The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. It is a big story, though, because he's made a big deal this week, Kyle, about his injuries. No Kane, no Son. And now one of the players that does score goals, Deli Ali, left on the bench. So the injury crisis can't be that bad. It's a really interesting um, omission, especially in a game like this, where you know, we were talking about it all fair as a player. You know, you do circle the big games, and this will be one that Deli Ali absolutely wants to be in. So he's created a psychological issue he has to manage. Now, you trust Jose Mourinho in, in handling those psychological issues, and especially with Deli Ali, he's gotten the best out of him for the most part. Um, but it makes it hard for him to complain that he doesn't have, have you know, the weapons to be able to compete. You know, what is it, the biggest crisis in, <laughs> in all of Europe? The reality is, no, he doesn't have a crisis. He has talented players. And, of course, you lose Harry Kane. The real problem is they, they never really gave themselves much backup if they were ever going to lose him. But a really interesting uh, team they picked today. He did say, you're right, mm. the biggest injury crisis in all of <laughs> yeah. Europe. And he also said this week, if, mm. uh, if I do get Spurs into the top four, it'll be the greatest achievement of my career. Heard that before, haven't we, somewhere? I think <laughs> once or twice down the road. And, and listen, if you've lost Son and you've lost Kane, 20 Premier League goals, Deli Alley, four goals, three assists in his first five appearances under Mourinho, was in banging form. That's dropped off now. But you still would play him in a big game because he can have the moments, Rebecca, that, that, that Tottenham need to have at Chelsea today. It's interesting with Jose Mourinho, though, and, and talks about all these things. This week's been a huge week for them. Leipzig in, in the Champions League, 1-0 down, difficult second leg to come. And they got Ch- Chelsea today in that challenge for that fourth spot. This is a huge game for Jose Mourinho. And I think he's already just starting to deflect one or two things because he was brought into this, this football club with two-thirds of the season to play. I think he was brought into the football club to get them Champions League football. If that doesn't happen, that would seem a failure. And today we need a Mourinho masterclass. We need defensive setup, not giving much away, and maybe a set piece or maybe a quick counter-attack to get them a goal. And we're seeing an evolution already, and we knew it was going to happen. That, that's provocative, sharp um, Jose Mourinho that's on the edge of mm. blaming things, you know, the blame wheel, or on the edge of this is where you get the best out of Jose in his side. What we should reiterate here as we watch the celebrations of Frank Lampard is that VAR, as Clive Tilsey said during commentary, did actually correct themselves. About 20 minutes later, they did actually come out and say, we've made a human error. We now think it was a clear and obvious error and Lo Celso should have been sent off. So they're making a a decision which everyone seems to disagree with. Then they're reversing that decision while the game is still going on. I mean, in this case, it didn't ultimately no. affect the result of the match but it could have done Robbie could have done. There's a, uh, well, it did last week v- against it, it did Manchester against United. Manchester United yeah. is VAR broken for you as Carl said yes another bad day for VAR Rebecca and, and if that isn't seen as a clear and obvious error 
we have a chance to look at it. We saw it on the screens here, 10, 15 seconds. We're saying, why is this being replayed? Why are we taking so long? That is a straight red card. And there's a disconnect between the, the middle match official and what's going on at VAR. And then the second thing is, why is the official not going to the sideline? Well, that's the other thing. VAR have come out at Stockley Park, the headquarters, and said, yes, again, we, are, we got it wrong. He should have gone over, Michael Oliver, and looked at the, at the pitch side monitor. So they're, they're realising it's 20 told minutes that later. This is a decision they made recently to mm. change it, and, yeah. and they're supposed to go it's look fair. at it. Let's remember that these scenes, these pictures, this story goes all around the world. Mm. It's damaging the Premier League's reputation. They do need to get it sorted out. We must just talk about the football, because yeah. what a result for Frank Lampard. Uh, incredible. And, um, you know, for, for us, we don't want to talk about VAR anymore. And the fact that they brought it in later than everyone else, they should be getting it right. But who got it right today? Super Frank was a super mm. coach. And that set up his team tactically, even though Jose Mourinho knew it was a back three, they had no answer for it. Big decisions with Giroud, Alonso, Caballero, everything worked out today. Big day for Frank today because the chasing pack were coming. A mm. little bit of scrutiny. I just felt this week, first bit of scrutiny on Frank, you know, Kepa dropped, centre forwards, players not playing. Winless in four before the game. But he got the result done and he got the win. Jose, by the way, is on the other side. He'll say about, yes, we played in Champions League. Yes, we've got no strikers. He didn't play Dele Alli. That's down to him. He used to be the guy that came up with the great game plans. The moment, I'm expecting some great excuses why they haven't won today. Well, the opening Chelsea goal came from Olivier Giroud and he is with the club captain right now, Cesar Azpilicueta. Congratulations, gentlemen. Olivier, particularly for you. A pleasing afternoon all round. Well, um, it was a very important game for us uh, today. I want to talk about the, the team spirit. And uh, we've shown a great uh, character today. We knew that it was um, maybe a kind of turning point, you know, because we were not in... Um, uh, we, we lost a bit of um, maybe confidence, you know, at home. It was nice to, to bounce back and to get this win, hard win, but against a, a rival. So, yeah, I um, feel relieved today. A great team effort, as you say, but personally, for you, you've been kicking your heels since November. Been fantastic. The first goal was fabulous as well. Yeah, um, it's, a good, um, it's a good movement with uh, Giorgio. Uh, we have a good understanding, and I knew we were going to put the ball there. wasn't uh, on my right foot. Couldn't get on my left one, so I tried to finish. And after Russ uh, followed uh, the action, and I was lucky the ball came back... Um, after hitting the post, and I tried to finish. Wow, yeah, it was a uh, it was a good uh, good feeling for me, a good moment, and uh, I'm so happy for the team, to all the team, to to win this game today. And uh, yeah, it's been three months uh, I didn't start, so yeah, it was a special day for me and uh, for all of us. And so, Zal, the the wing back system that worked perfectly today for you, didn't it? Yeah, it worked perfectly. Uh, we have shown uh, through the season that we can adapt uh, to different systems. Uh, every game is different, but uh, I think uh, above the, the tactics, uh, today was a day where we knew uh, what it means for everybody at this uh, football club, for the fans. We knew that uh, our form, our home form, it wasn't the best, so after beating them 2-0 uh, away, we knew that uh, they wanted revenge. It's normal. And in this London derby, we, we show great character, great uh, spirit, uh, we made ourselves a bit more difficult the last uh, five minutes, but uh, we show a great uh, team spirit from everyone. Olivier and Alonso scores as well. So all the players who came into the side today contributed a lot. Yeah, uh, we, we are a squad and we need to, to be ready for every game. Uh, it's true that, uh, that when you don't play, it's, uh, you know, it's difficult. Everybody wants to help the team, but uh, everybody keeps... Uh, 
training hard, uh, fighting to be in the team. The competition is what gives uh, the team that extra percent where everybody can push to the limit. And, and today uh, it worked uh, perfectly. There's one incident I want to talk to you about because you've got a great big lump of ice on your shin down there. The camera picked that up for us. Lo Celso's foot stamped on you. It was, it was reviewed at Stockley Park. They said it wasn't a red card. They have now changed their mind and said it should have been a red card. They made a mistake. You still got the bruise either way. Yeah, honestly, uh, you know, uh, I'm not uh, a player that uh, I like to, uh, to, you know, to, to be on the floor because I'm a defender. I, you know, I'm tough and I make fouls. But it was it was not a, a normal fault because uh, it was a clear stamp on on my on my shin. I, I felt it straight away and I was surprised that uh, even. You know, that was not a red car, but not even a yellow car. And obviously everybody can make mistakes, but when you have a lot of replays, I think uh, it could be easier. Of course, you've had a little chat in the the dressing room with Frank Lampard. This is a big step to keeping that top four place, isn't it? Yeah, as I told you, uh, Tottenham is obviously a rival for the Champions League race. So we are pleased today to put put them uh, four points uh, behind us. Uh, But that's just uh, the start of... um, uh, a good run, I hope, and uh, now we need to focus on Champions League and carry on, you know, a bone move away. And uh, uh, I think, uh, yeah, this, this game uh, will be uh, nice for the, the confidence for, for the dressing room. Olivier, you're man of the match. If Cesar could do the honours for us, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Ali, well good game. Well done. Thank you. Hello. Congratulations, Frank, for a very satisfying result. It always feels a little bit more special as well against a, a London rival. Yeah, of course. That's what derbies are about. That's why the fans feel it so deeply. Um, and the players did on the pitch. I'm speaking for my players. They felt it. The aggression in our game, the pressing off the ball, the work rate, um, everything. We, we're having a tough time at home for different reasons. And um, when you're having tough times, for whatever the reasons are, there's, there's only one option, and that's to fight. And, and sometimes fight, difficult, hanging on in the last few minutes when we shouldn't have been, those are the moments. So we need to bottle that up now, that, that feeling, and understand that needs to be our behaviour daily, daily. But the way we play today needs to be our daily behaviour in training and in the games coming up. You made changes as well, and they worked. Giroud, let's start with that. <laughs> yeah, um, Oli was fantastic. said it before the game about fitness and, and his situation. I never had any doubts about his application and what he is, and obviously the quality where he can finish is a great finish for the first goal. Um, a great finish and the work rate you know at 70 minutes he's, he's tired because of we ask a lot of him and I felt we would have a lot of ball against Tottenham I felt we'd be in there half a lot that's how the game started and until we scored and it changed slightly um, and when you're like that and you've got Oli Jura up front he can score goals like he did and, and he's a presence in our dressing room and as I say I talked about fights today and personality he brings that that second goal involves Giroud, Mount, Barkley, Alonso in succession. So that's not bad. That's the four players you brought in. It was a, yeah, it was it was a great great goal for different reasons. So every every person you mentioned there, and the Mason run. I mean Mason's performance. I hope I hope that gets digested properly today because a lot of people talk about Mason, look at his uh, goals or whatever it may be. The work rate and the sharpness in his game today was was unbelievable. Shouldn't leave Ross out because he was similar. He has the awareness to find Alonso, and it's as clean a strike as you can make. Really really delighted with the goal. It's one incident, Los Celsa and the VAR review. Apparently in Stockley Park they're saying they made a mistake and it should have been a red. I, I take it you might agree. It's not good enough. 
there's it's not good enough. I, I'm, I'm sorry, and it's two VARs now in two games. It's always harder to speak about it when you've lost because people claim you're just shouting. But maybe you need to shout because that's not good enough. Uh, everybody in the world in football saw that uh, uh, that it was a red, and it's too late. It's too late to do that. The game should be over because it's not. Uh, I, I hate to call for red cards, but when they're endangering, that's a, that's a leg breaker of a tackle. That, without a doubt, you get VAR has been brought in the game to see it again and, and give the right decision, right or or change a decision or whatever. And I'm not saying anything about the referees on the spot. It's not easy on the spot. VAR is here to clear those up. And I'm not surprised that they've put it right, but it's not good enough. Thanks very much. Thank you. Well, on Monday, on Monday against Manchester United, he was on the losing end. He wasn't happy with VAR. On the winning side today, he's still not happy with VAR. Major problems at Stockley Park. But Clive Tilsey and Danny Higginbottom do not want to talk about VAR. Gentlemen, it's over to you to talk about the ramifications after this game. I'd like to talk about a great football manager. Great's an overused word in all sport, uh, Rebecca, but Danny, Jose Mourinho is a great football manager. Mm -hmm. His record is great. Yeah. Is he a great football manager who is struggling to keep pace with the 21st century? I probably wouldn't go that far. What I would look at it, you know, a lot of people have come out and said, well, he's only got three players injured, but they're three key players. You look at Son, Son, sorry, and Kane in particular. What they do, great players, good players, they make players around them even better. I think it's affected Deli Alley, I think it's affected Lucas, so therefore you're not it's not just losing two players, it's the effect that it has on the rest of the team. So managers at certain times now we're seeing them coming with different ideas. We know what Mourinho's approach when, when he first came in at Tottenham wasn't it was working. But when you lose the main focal point, it then becomes very difficult. So it's been it, it's a tough time for Mourinho at the moment. Just thinking about the positivity we've just heard from a younger manager. He was beaten by a younger manager mm. of Leipzig in the week. It's, uh, it's a difficult time for Jose. It is. Football is always changing. It's always changing. You've got new managers coming in with new ideas, philosophies, different identities, and it's up to the older managers that are starting to get older to move with the times as well. So I would, I would give Mourinho a little bit of slack just because of the simple fact of the plays that he's missing and how much that changes the way he wants to play. And Mourinho, Arteta, Lampard, Solskjaer, all relatively new to the job, all at big clubs who need to spend in the summer and need to be in the Champions League in order to lure the best players. Yeah, 100%, no doubt about it, because the top players want Champions League football, so it is going to be a race all the way to the finishes in terms of who gets there. And who does will have the richer pickings of the players they want to bring in. We know all about the injuries, but are you still a little bit disappointed you didn't create more chances, perhaps? You know, to create chances, you need a target man many times, or you need fast people that can interchange positions. You need to give different dynamics to the team. We don't have a striker, and we have tired players. It's as simple as, as, as that. So I think they did very, very well. If we score a goal before our opponent... Uh, then I think we have a chance because we we are well organized and then we can try in the counter. But when the opponent scores before us and they, they drop blocks and they press us and it's, it's very, very difficult for us. Can you take something from the fact that despite the fatigue and the injuries, you only lost narrowly in the end? No, a defeat is a defeat. Uh, but the good thing is that... Uh, in the last second, the players were, were still fighting for a, for a result. And that, for me, is, is a very important thing. Lo Celso didn't get any punishment for his challenge. We've heard now that it should have been a red card given by VAR. You had a good view of it. What were your thoughts? No, I didn't have a view, no. So you don't think it was a red card? No, I didn't watch. Uh, I didn't watch on TV and uh, in the game, I don't know. And just finally, anything different about the reception today from when you've come here with other teams in the past against Chelsea? I didn't feel anything, honestly. I was focused in the game, I didn't feel anything. In here, in the tunnel, in the dressing rooms, everything is normal. 
as always, and from the stands, no problem. Oh, you got to love him. Didn't feel anything, didn't see anything. Channeling his inner Arsene Wenger. Um, we need a striker. We don't have a striker. We have tired players, Robbie L. Yeah. Should they, despite all that, have done better today? I think so, Rebecca. And, and, and I know Josie there didn't like anything that went on, didn't feel special, wasn't obviously loved from the Chelsea fans. But I was thinking about when he got off the coach at Stamford Bridge, he would have expected, or he would have expected to win that game. When he's doing his team talk before the game, there's no way he's saying, listen, guys, we're tired. Listen, guys, we've not got a centre forward. We're probably going to lose this game. He has set them up, five at the back, four midfield, one up front, to win the game. And by the way, he's lost his two highest Premier League goal scorers in Youngmin Son and Harry Kane. He's got Deli Alley who's a forward, who's, who's like a number 10, can break forward, has got legs, can score goals, he leaves him on the bench. That's his call. Well, that's an interesting one, because before the game, you both were surprised at that. Mm-hmm. Even more so now, with hindsight, that Deli Ali didn't start this game today? Especially when some of the, some of the um, moments where they were able to make Chelsea uncomfortable were runs out of the midfield, mm-hmm. where someone can stretch that back line. Mm-hmm. Deli Ali in his best season, if you go a few seasons back, is an ace at that. So, um, listen... The excuse wheel is coming. It's kind of amazing. You know, don't have a number nine entire place. It's amazing. I didn't watch it. I was standing two, two feet from it. Didn't see it. Um, but here's the, here's the reality. He doesn't have the team he needs to be as successful as he wants to be. Eto when he was at Inter Milan. Hulk, when you go back to Porto years. Cristiano Ronaldo, Ed Nazar. He had a special player that could take them from a low block and almost single-handedly transition them to be a threat on every single occasion. Erickson's gone. He was using that from the bench, even though he knew he didn't want to be a part of the project. So he does have an issue, even when Harry Kane gets back. This is all to Daniel Levy. All, all this stuff is, Levy, I'm going to hit you up for some serious money here. But someday. he's saying judge me in time. But to be honest, Rebecca, we judge Jose Mourinho now. And right now, they've got a chase on to get in the top four. Well, here in the studio this Sunday morning, alongside me, Robbie Earl and Carl Martino. Robbie, the mm. stats tell you everything. Ole Gunnar yeah. Solskjaer is much worse yeah. than all three managers that came before him, mm-hmm. all of which were fired by Manchester United. Yeah. Where are we with United and this project of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as we now head towards the final quarter of the season? Where we are right now, Rebecca, is that Manchester United standards have dropped. That at times, the expectancy of Manchester United is lowered. I think we're in a position where mediocrity is is kind of accepted now. And and I say that because if you think of Manchester United are playing a team 19th in the league today, Watford, who are in relegation trouble, and we really don't know what the result might be. It could be any one of three. A Manchester United home win, a Manchester United draw, or a Manchester United defeat. Now, that was never the case in the past of quality managers with quality Manchester United teams against teams in the, in the bottom three. That was what we used to call a home banker. Mediocrity is just not a word that Manchester United are associated with mm. until now. Are they further away than they've ever been from getting back to where they were? Um, they're further away than they've been from success in a long time. Uh, uh, mediocrity was a word you wouldn't even whisper in the hallways of, of Old Trafford. Now it's something where we have to recalibrate expectations every weekend and, and sort of you know, give them uh, a, a participation medal. And you know, that, that's what's the hardest thing. I, I love being a neutral and, and not being tethered to a team because of the, the, the torment of loving and, and, and sort of crying with your team. It, for every neutral, it, it's not enjoyable for Manchester United not to be relevant. And, and I, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I guess in a way, 
how far away they are might be the bottom point where they see with Paul Pogba maybe leaving and, and all the money that they've wasted under the previous managers. Now they have to get a football director that can change things. Sir Alex Ferguson and, and David Gill um, were magicians and that they were 24 different jobs in two people and brought remarkable success that I, I think we'll never see again in English football. Mm-hmm. But if they don't get someone that can steer this ship that's capable, that has the nous of understanding the market and how to rebuild this great football club, they're going to stay in mediocrity for a while. I just wonder as well, I'll pick up on a point that Cal's made. You, you look at that graphic, Rebecca, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a Manchester United legend for what he's done on the football pitch in the past. Does that in a way hold them back? Are standards allowed to drop a little bit more than they would be if he wasn't a legend? Because if he wasn't a legend, I can tell you now there'd be a clamour for him to lose his job. Yes, they need a sporting director. That's an important part of a piece they're missing. But what he's delivered on the pitch consistently has not been Manchester United's standard. But do you think that the clamour will come this summer, despite the fact that he's a legend? It should do, because he should be held at the standards that Manchester United are are expected to, to... to get to and because he's a legend shouldn't mean that we now expect less it shouldn't mean that Watford can go to Old Trafford and expect to win a game very quickly is there any part of you that believes that Solskjaer should be the manager of Manchester United in August start of next season if Pochettino's available you go and get Poch in the studio alongside me Robbie Earl and Carl Martino it was a good game of football gentlemen um the significance of that result Robbie is what it's important for Arsenal to get the three points, back-to-back wins for the first time since early in the, in the season. That Mikel Arteta is slowly getting his message across. He's probably got no fingernails left, but he's got three points. That was the important thing. Graham Lasso mentioned it in commentary. Part of when Arsenal play well, they look like a top-six team. But the inconsistency of, of their play and the lack of intensity at time means that sometimes they play like a, a mid-table team. And that's what Arteta is going to have to address. But I can see progress in this team. Yes, they, it was a little bit sort of seat of their pants at, at times today. But you see progress in what they're trying to do, how players are more accountable to themselves and the teammates. And that's an important win today. Angelotti talked earlier this week about how it makes them want to cry, how bad Everton are at top six, club, six clubs on the road. That there is the bridge he's going to have to... The gap he's going to have to try and bridge, is it not? Yeah, and we, we were looking for him to... to um shake Arteta's hand on the way out. He might have had tears in his mm-hmm. eyes and didn't want to be seen to be crying because, again, it, it's for him, as someone used to the level of consistency and focus and, I would say, execution on both ends with the clubs that he's had, the competitions he's been in, he'll be so disappointed in how well they played through stretches of this game and then Calvert-Lewin was profligate in front of the, the goal in a way that number nines are not normally in squads that he has. Then on the other end, a couple lapses defensively means they leave with nothing today. And and I think both managers will be uh, a bit bit concerned in the inconsistency in their sides. Arsenal, it is improving, but they've tied so many games, and today was a tie game. I mean, today was a game where they should have left with a draw based on how many chances they gave gave up. A great example of inconsistencies, especially of Arsenal, you can see the goal in the first minute of of the first half, but then score a goal in the first minute and second half, it becomes a winner. That's what Arteta is dealing with. Both of these teams, want, their managers want them to dominate. I mean, nothing about today was domination. Both teams took turns dominating the game. Let's take you back to North London, shall we? To our commentary team, Graham Lasso and Arlo White, still on the gantry, still waiting for us, gentlemen, for your post-match thoughts. Well, it's a very positive Emirates Stadium, and we haven't always been able to say that mm. in recent years, have we? How do you assess the, the Mikel Arteta project and how it's coming together here? Well, it is a, it's a, 
stage-by-stage process, isn't it? I think he's definitely got the discipline, um, the work rate, the togetherness, your unity, the, the standards that he's looking for. But as the guys have said in the studio and we said in commentary, it's about finding consistency and dealing with different stages of the games with different approaches. So there's a vulnerability and a softness to Arsenal that always seems to appear when, as soon as you mentioned in commentary, well, it's getting a bit quieter. Mm. They tend to switch off a little bit and lose their concentration. And against a team like Everton, who are so tenacious, I think they they look really good as well under Carlo Ancelotti. You know, there, were, there was always going to be a, a threat of, of, of um, them conceding that third goal, but they're exciting. I think everybody's demanding more out of each other and they're building something, so that's good, both on and off the pitch. Dominic Calvert-Lewin got things started after 50 seconds, mm. a terrific goal, really athletic, overhead kick. In the second half, he had a few opportunities. Might he rue those tonight on the way yeah, home? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, he got himself into a couple of good positions, him and Richarlison, Richarlison working down that left, then looking up, waiting for that pass. And as Calvert-Lewin's running across the goal, he's losing the angle of the goal as he's getting near that front post. So then your touch to get it on target has to be so deft and accurate to not only hit the target, but to beat the goalkeeper Mm. as well. It's a very difficult thing to do. And that header at the end, he's under a lot of pressure. Mm. He does well to direct it. And he's, what, a couple of inches wide? There's not a lot he could do wrong. But again, standards, players like that are going to say, I should have scored. Who will finish higher out of the two teams? Uh, I think Arsenal will just about. Mm, Very close. Well, it was a hugely entertaining game uh, here at the Emirates. Let's head downstairs and hear from two Arsenal heroes, goalkeeper Bernd Leno and the score of a brace, Captain Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Bert, over first of all, a terrific victory. How much did you have to dig deep into your well of character and also energy after the week you've had? Yeah, it was a tough week and uh, it was hard today to to find some energy at the end of the week, but we did it. I think everybody is doing well and giving more than 100% to to win this game. Ben, did you feel that you were hanging on a bit in the second half? Yeah, I think uh, you could see that uh, that uh, our power was uh, was at the end and uh, yeah, we we were fighting. I think when you see all the faces, when you see how Oba's blowing, you can see how much uh, he was running and everybody was yeah, I was happy after after um, this game because this game because we deserve this after um, this tough uh, week and uh, yeah, we have to keep going like this. Your goals were hugely important, of course, over. But how about the saves? Several saves that Bird made second half. Yeah, we're always happy to have him. You know, <laughs> he saved us a couple of times at the right moment. So we are, we are really happy to have him, and we're proud of him. And uh, yeah. We know that we can count on him. That's that's always good for for us. Then he give us some energy, some more energy to to push and to to give everything. Thankfully, it doesn't matter now. But Everton's second goal, could you have done anything about it? Did it just come at an awkward height? Yeah, maybe I could. Uh, my my starting position uh, could be higher, but um, you know, as a goalkeeper, it goes always uh, very quick and. Uh, yeah, I think it was it was very unlucky uh, from me and a little bit lucky from I think Rich, Richardson. But at the end, doesn't matter. We won this game, and um, yeah, that's the most important thing. Ober, your two goals once again. Your movement a big factor. But how good was that ball from David Luiz for the first? Great ball. I knew when I when I saw his face, it was uh, uh, it was how he said. It was commit, commitment. How you say? Well, okay, doesn't matter. It was with the ball. <laughs> it was with the ball, and uh, yeah, I just I just ran through the through the defense, and then I was one against one, and yeah, I, I love this. So.
looks good. Mikel, a fantastic game, full of action and obviously a great win. But from your point of view, what was the best thing about it? The best thing is the spirit that we showed. Um, just coming back from Europe, three games in seven days, consider goal in first minute, the way we reacted, the way we played for 60, 65 minutes is exactly what I want uh, from my team. And, uh, and against the resilience that some of the players showed when they were absolutely knackered and they kept going and going and going. And this is exactly what I want. Did the game change for Arsenal in some ways? Obviously, after getting over that initial shock, but the substitution that you were enforced to make? Mm. I don't know, probably a little bit, but uh, we had no choice. With Kolasina, he had a shoulder. And then with the other ones, everybody was looking at me saying, I'm cramping, I'm doing this and doing that. We could only change two players. I tried to um, condense a little bit more the midfield and have a little bit more energy. Um, but we had to defend at times very, very deep and, uh, and we suffered. Bernd Leno said he should have done better on Everton's second goal, mm. but did he more than make up for that with his second half performance? Yeah, absolutely. He was really good in the right moment. Uh, he saved us and uh, I'm really pleased with him. Of course, we speak about Aubameyang's goals, but what about his defensive work too? Incredible. The amount of work that uh, he's doing and how he is uh, to do all the defensive stuff that before I had my questions shows the commitment that he's shown with his teammates and, and with the club. So I'm really pleased with him. What were those questions? That I wasn't sure if, if he wanted to do it or if he could do it physically. But he showed that he can do it physically. So then it's about you want to do it or you don't. Now he's answered those questions, how important is it that you hang on to him? Well, he's uh, our most important player. Um, Stats-wise, there's no question about the impact that he has in this team. So as much as I can and the club can, we will try to convince him to stay with us. As a manager, if you have to watch many more like that, will you be as great as Mustafi? I'm sure in this process that we will watch uh, many more than that, but as well I'd like to see how the team sustains that uh, resilience and, um, and it's good for me to understand who wants to do it and, and how, how good they are together as well enjoying those moments. It's been a short time, but is this your best week as Arsenal manager so far? Well, winning three games in, in seven days, for sure it is. Mikel Arteta, clearly a proud man, and rightly so. Kyle, what do you think constitutes success come May for Mikel Arteta this season in the Gunners? Uh, I think success is, is, is chasing down a top four spot, and now I guess I would say Champions League spot, and it looks like there might be more than just top four available if Manchester City uh, are dropped out of Champions League and finished in the top four. And he sees success, I'm sure, as keeping Aubameyang as a part of this group. And listen, we knew that. We knew Aubameyang was flirting with the idea of leaving. So kind of like the same thing we've talked about with, with um with Jose Mourinho, these are managers that have taken over projects without the ability to spend, without the ability to spend a lot of time on the training field. So I think getting his ideas across and finishing top four so he can ask for a lot of money is, is what, he, what success is. For me, quickly on that one, Rebecca, obviously European football of any, any value, obviously Champions League would be the dream, but Europa League. But I think it's about fact-finding. I think it's about loving games of fact-finding who he wants and who's going to be with him as he goes into, into next season. And there's a number of players who still got question marks over them. Mesut Ozil's a great example of that, and he talked about Aubameyang maybe wanting to leave. He's got to convince some players and maybe get rid of some of the others that he doesn't want. But the only way, surely, to convince them to stay, the likes of Aubameyang, mm. is to ensure there's European football for him next to year. To a degree, but he's building something, and there's a bit of a narrative starting it, and players will feel that, and you'll understand that we've got a manager now who... Gives clarity in what he, he asks for, is honest and transparent with the way he works, and he's tough, but he, he's going to win things. And if you, 
Players can win things. Players will stick with he's got. He's got to be careful, and I agree with you, not to take too long to figure it out because I think that was Emery's downfall is when he left, he still didn't even know what his starting 11 was or what he wanted to do with Mesodorzon and all these things. At this point, especially with the credit he has with Arsenal Football Club, he'll be given time, but he's got to figure these things out quickly so he can make a plan for the summer. Bruno Fernandes, again, had a, a, a big impact on the game. Has his influence even maybe surprised you the way he's just hit the ground running? He's done fantastic. He's come in and uh, give everyone a boost. He's, uh, he's showing his personality. He's a Man United uh, character. He wants to step out at Old Trafford and wants the ball all the time, wants to control the rhythm, wants to help his mates, uh, conduct the play. And the way he took the penalty was fantastic. So um, very pleased with him. And can he influence others around around him and, and, and drive them forward as well with what he's got? Yeah, definitely. But he's also done something to the crowd because he shows the attributes of a Man United player. What the, these uh, supporters have... Uh, have seen many, many times before, and uh, he's come in. He's early doors yet, he's, uh, but he's, uh, he's been a great addition to the squad. Anthony Martial's goal, I know you've said maybe he could hit 20 this season. Yeah. It's a great finish, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, absolute uh, top-class skill. Uh, good run in behind, and then it looks like he's, uh, he's out of it, but he shows that skill so many times, Santo. So this week has been a good one for him. Header. Uh, like a proper centre-forwards uh, goal. Then against Bruges, he scores an individual goal where he just grafts and wins the ball, and then this skillful one. And you spoke about United players, Bill of a young player coming through here. That, that finish from Mason Greenwood was yeah. was explosive. He, is, uh, he knows where the goal is. He knows how to score a goal. That's, that's Mason. He's uh, a player that we want to give the ball in and around the box. And, but today I thought he... He grew more and more into the game. He shows uh, vision. He shows uh, link-up play. So um, the boy is improving. You were in conversation with the referee after that disallowed goal for a while. All good-natured. Um, how quickly did you know it wasn't going to stand and how quickly did you find out why? Um, I didn't know it was going to stand. That's why I celebrated like a div. Um, yeah, it's, it's the emotion, isn't it? Like we've, Within it, you can't really see a clear handball, so you're going right. Nothing's done wrong there, and you start assessing your own thing. I haven't, I weren't offside, I didn't use my hand, I didn't do anything. So you kind of assess it and go, right, that must have been a goal. Um, and yeah, as I said, within about a minute or so, they said it was, was handball and fine margins, isn't it? It was sick and tired of talking about VAR. I'm sure you guys are sick and tired of asking the same questions and getting the boring, politically correct answers back. So um, take it on the chin, move forward, and uh, you know. Got a nice easy one against Liverpool next week. <laughs> Celebrated like a div. I think that might be our favourite golden yeah. phrase so far. Um, Kyle, does Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's future depend at all on where Manchester United finished this season? Were they to finish fourth, do you think that could affect whether or not he's in the job? Uh, yes, I think his future is is more impacted by what's available. Um, I kind of compare it to Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers was actually doing uh, a good job and just had a run at a title, uh, improved the team, improved the youth, lost Luis Suarez. Understandable that, that things would, would suffer a little bit the next season, but you could get Klopp. If you can get Pochettino, um, I kind of don't th- think it's going to matter where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer um, finishes. And listen, he's a legend. They, they, they want him to succeed. But on the body of work, if you have a manager like that that you can bring in, they've made the mistake of not bringing these managers in in the past. I think they have to do it now. What do you think? I slightly disagree. I think top four will mean he'll keep his job. 
and probably should do in some respects, although if he was me, I would take Pochettino. But what, what we saw today, Rebecca, was a decent team performance, but three attackers who got goals, Fernandez with, with, his, with his first, Martial and Greenwood, and that turns a decent performance into a great win. And that was Manchester United of the past. Now, they've got a huge month coming up. I'll look at the next four fixtures. Everton away, the Manchester derby, Spurs away, Sheffield United at home. By the time we get to mid-March, we'll know whether they are going to get close to that Champions League and Oli may keep his job, or they may be looking at other people coming in in the summer. And we know Pochettino's available, and all the talk is that Manchester United have links into Pochettino's people. And we'll see how that goes. Welcome to the studio. Ahmed Farid here with my friends Robbie Earle and Kyle Martino. Let's talk mindsets mm. for both of these clubs. We'll start with Liverpool. They've been rolling through the Premier League this season. Did just taste defeat in the Champions League. You wonder how that could change their mindset today. 26 times in the Premier League. They've not had an off day. They've turned up. They've been ready. They've been focused. There's been intensity about the play. And I'm sorry for West Ham United fans. I don't think it'll be any different as we get to 27 games today. This football club has got habits that have been ingrained by the manager that there's certain standards that, that deliver every day. Now, those 26 games have not all been great, but they've found a way generally to win 25 of them. And we're in a situation where, when I look back at Liverpool, I never see a player showboating, like, you know, whether they're two or three in a lot, doing a little bit where he, he wants to be the guy. That doesn't happen in this team. I've never seen ego among, amongst this team uh, of superstars when, when you've got Salah and Mane and Firmino. They continue to work hard, to be focused and to give to the team to make sure they win. And because of those reasons, I don't see much hope for West Ham today. Yeah, there's almost like a law of physics behind Liverpool. You know, it's harder to get an object started than keep it flying at top speed. And listen, that was a loss that was a victory, in a way, in Champions League in the context of how hard it is to go win at Atletico Madrid, knowing what they have second leg back, at, back in Anfield. So you can get lost in context there. You could also make the mistake to think that they're wounded in some way or they're a different team because of that. You know, kinda, I was laughing the other day. It's kind of like you know, when, when Rocky caught Drago and, and cut him. That, that turned that fight around. This does not turn any fight around where anyone thinks that Liverpool are weakened. Um, that focus that Klopp used to have to instill in them from day one, where they were a team with lapses. They were a team with mistakes in them. They're, they're not that now. West Ham are basically looking at a mountain today. They have to climb. Liverpool has been so cool, so calm, collected. Nothing going to change perhaps today. Panic probably setting in for this West Ham team. Yeah. When your observers look mm. at this one and say, maybe the best result we can hope for today is a nil-nil draw. A worry for West Ham. Last weekend, last week, sorry, they went to Manchester City, who were 20 points worse off than Liverpool, and they surrendered. Got beat 2-0, didn't really have a go, sat back and were passive. There was no real attacking threat. My worry for West Ham United, and, and if I had a clipboard, as the players were coming off the team bus, going into Anfield, and I said, do you really think you can win today? I don't think I'd be ticking too many who say, yes, we can win. And that is a problem. When you go to wherever it is in this league, you have to be prepared to be perfect in your execution, train and work as hard as you can so you're ready for the game, and then maybe a set piece. Think about a couple of things you can do in training to quickly counterattack and give yourselves a chance. But I don't think West Ham do that. I think it's almost like damage limitation from the start. Yeah, I mean, in terms of belief, you know, West Ham are in the wilderness right now. And then the tough challenge for Moyes is... 
you know, making a cracker last. I mean, he, that's the hard part for a manager is you have to ration belief throughout the team. You, mm-hmm. It has to come from you. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like from day one, we haven't really seen in David Moyes that he believes he can turn this around. And it might have changed the formation today as kind of one attempt to see if he can tactically do I, something. I just worry about the profile of, of a West Ham United player. And by that, I mean they've got some great footballers. If you're 2-0 up, they're going to look really good. But if you go 2-0 down, it's like, where's everybody gone? Not guys you'd want in the trenches when they're in a relegation fight. You look at the fixtures coming up for West Ham, going to be very difficult to pick up points, a very brutal schedule, and that starts today. We're impressed with Liverpool when they win mm. 4-0. Mm. Are you almost more impressed with what you just saw from them here today? I am, because for 30 years they've not won a title, Ahmed, and this is one of the great football clubs who've had some great, great players. Some of the best players we've seen in English football, Fowler, Owen, Gerrard, Suarez, Carragher. I mean, players who were not player of the season. They've won cup competitions, domestic and European, which tells you on any given day they, they were good enough, but they could never do it over, over a long period, over a season. What this group have is all that ability, some superstars in the team, but they've got a mentality and a resolve that we've never seen in the Premier League era in Liverpool. We've never seen a team who don't believe they're ever going to get beaten. If they were 2-0 down with a minute on the clock, they'd still think they can win the game. That's what Jurgen Klopp has programmed into this group of players. And as you see today, a bit of luck with, with, with the mistake, but they get the win. What did you think, Kyle, when they were down 2-1? Um, well, I'm going to say what Robbie Earl said and, and not take any credit for it. We're sitting right here, and we were looking, and Robbie Earl, we, as, we, as we know we do, someone says something, and Robbie goes, if they score once to tie it, they win this game. And, and, and you know, it's funny, like, we're very prescient, but, but it's that inevitability. Mm-hmm. And, and they, have, they have a clock, right, that, that, that programmed this belief, this, this uh, irreverence, this, this just absolutely relentless pursuit of three points, but they have a cop as well. And for a long time, that's been... I don't know, just this extra man. And it's just in the, in the last two seasons. And that's something that Jurgen Klopp spent a lot of time focusing on, was getting to, to, to sort of manage expectations, but now get them to join in the belief that it doesn't matter how badly it's going or if we're down, we're going to go on and win this game. I mean, it was pretty remarkable that they did it again. And you have to feel a little sorry for West Ham United. You go away at Anfield, you're winning 2-1, you score a couple of goals, and you come away with absolutely nothing. And they're in a real fight at the bottom of the table. That's a back-breaking loss for West Ham because you looked at their upcoming fixtures and they, they don't get a whole lot easier, although it has been very tough with Liverpool and City in the last couple here. Jürgen pushed to the limit tonight, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think we... We had 70, 70-something percent possession, but um, West Ham did with the 30 percent. They had really good stuff, to be honest. We, we started really well. I liked a lot how we started. Scored a wonderful first goal, uh, where, again, Trent was a bit, I think, quicker in mind. Not sure. Everybody thought it's a corner, and then he puts a cross in, and um, Ginny's there. Um, but then we weren't good in the second ball situations. Eh? Antonio... We won the first ball, that's not a massive problem, but the spot a second ball, we have to pick them up much more often. That's how it happened, how they had the three corners in a row, and the third one then finally was in. Pretty much, uh, we struggled a little bit in, the, in, this, in these situations, and that really gave West Ham a, a good feeling. So for, we, we had a lot of finishes, but so they had a lot of goalie kicks. With these goalie kicks, um, they could win the second ball. That was for us difficult tonight. But then you have two days, so they score the first one, and then you have to um, 
we lost a little bit of patience in the first half then, in, our, in the things we did offensively. You could see there was a little bit here, not nervous, but we wanted it too much. Going in the second half, when they scored a second goal, I have to watch it back, didn't do yet, but I have to watch it back, how, how that happened. They have that situation scored it uh, or finished it off. And um, so then we had to, um, we were forced to stay calm and do the right stuff. And I think all the goals to be scored were kind of strange a little bit, but um, the best goal we scored didn't count uh, because that was exactly the football we wanted, we wanted to play. But then, yeah, obviously, Sadio was slightly offside. Um, but yeah, you have to, you have to squeeze it. You have to to force it, and that's what we did tonight. And so we got the three points, and it's so special. It's unbelievable. It's 13 wins now by a single goal. When did you develop this knack of seemingly being able to win from nowhere? I seem to remember like two, three years ago. You won when you played great, and when you didn't, you dropped points. When did that change? For sure, the Champions League final helped a lot, just to know that we are possibly we are able to. Look, I said it after the Champions League final when we played it. It was the worst final I ever played with a team, but um, the first we won. <laughs> we were better with Dortmund against Bayern. We were better with um, 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 Liverpool against Sevilla, against Madrid, but against Tottenham we won because we, we learned in that season that we don't have to be brilliant. We have to do the right things again and again and again and defend with all we have, and then there will be moments. Um, it's long ago. It's long ago, and obviously we had to we had to work on that. We, we we worked a lot and wanted to work on consistency, staying in the game, using different situations. Our set pieces were really good tonight, but a bit unlucky with Virgil. And I think the first set piece was a brilliant one, and Sadio was in the air. Was it Sadio or, or, or Gini? I'm not 100 sure. And he missed the ball, so a free header, and then we miss it. Um, so that was good, and we needed set pieces from time to time. And so I. Uh, and they brought us back tonight as well, not with a goal, but with um, just changing, getting the momentum back again. And because we had a couple of set pieces um, after each other, and that was was helped a little bit. So it's just have you need to have different ways. So look, but there's so many things I could say what we could have done better. That's all true and 100% right. But um, to get this number of games which the boys won now. Um, you cannot be brilliant all the time. That would then, but something would be really wrong because that would mean the other teams do everything wrong and we do everything right. And it's not like this. We just try to make the best of it, the best of what we have. And so I'm, I'm again really pleased with the attitude we showed that we stayed in a game. You could see the boys still believe we had sensational situation. The crosses were a bit too hard from Robbo and Trent, but we had super situations where we brought them in the right position where they put the crosses in, but it fell a little bit like shots instead of crosses, so we missed these balls, but no, all okay. So you have equaled another couple of records tonight, one of them being 18 straight league wins, City's record from a couple of years ago. Do nights like tonight show how special those records are? Because it shows how hard every game is. When City did it, I never, I never thought that it will be beaten, to be honest, or, or equaled, whatever. I, I just kind of couldn't imagine. Now we did it. I cannot believe that it happened, to be honest. Um, but I know there were so many um, different and difficult moments in that time, and I, I liked it a lot when tonight, for example, uh, pretty much everything what is kind of positive helps, and we conceded tonight the equaliser. 
and the stadium was rocking. So really was there and it helps massively. That makes us that makes us a special place. That you are not only on your toes when it's everything is going when everything is clicking. So and um, so often in that season that helps. Um, whatever whatever will happen in the season, it's a it's an effort of all of us. Um, and it's um, I couldn't be more thankful and couldn't appreciate it more um, the support we get from everywhere so it's so far so good but now let's carry on so last question 12 points more needed but after tonight and how maybe stressful it was does 12 points sound like a lot yeah yeah we, we know that we look we know that and you you see you see city um, playing and um, this is the team in world football who is just able to win all the rest of all the other games. So um, that means yes, we have to we have to keep winning, and that's exactly the next one is, is um, Watford, which is <laughs> was difficult here. Um, and Man United won it in the end three 0 We saw it a little bit, or I saw it already a little bit, and um, there were a lot of moments where Watford could have scored. They were in the beginning really strong, so we need to be ready. And it's a home game for them, and it's a big chance and a difficult situation. So. It's not about shining, it's about hardest work. And as long as the boys are ready to work really hard, I'm not concerned, but um, it's still um, a job to do. Well done. Thank you very much. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.